0: Hey guys, welcome back to FTK Racing Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Just a reminder, you can follow me on Facebook at FTK Racing-Corey Marshall is my group page. Feel free to drop a comment on what you think about an episode or what you want to hear in an episode, Um, suggestions, whatever. Um, So yeah, I'm glad you guys are here and let's jump into the episode. Hey guys, what's going on? Thank you for joining me for another FTK episode. First thing I want to say, I apologize for how I sound. I was just discussing with my guest that I uh, I work out back in a lumber yard and it's just dust everywhere. And I got super congested today, so I do apologize if I sound stuffy or sick or, you know, just off. Um, I do apologize for that. I'm going to try my best not to sniffle or clear my throat, because I feel like I always had to clear my throat, so, um, but anyways, like I say, usually every episode, um, if you guys enjoy the show, you like the, the content, um, you know, maybe you guys even have some ideas on different episodes, you know, go to Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Breaker Podcast, you know, wherever you can find it, write, like the show, rate it, you know drop me a comment, you know, how you what do you think about it and what maybe I can improve on or like I said future episodes. Um I'm totally cool with that and <clears throat> I appreciate it. Um but tonight I'm super pumped. Uh, I've been talking to my guest for probably like a week now, two weeks. I don't know. We've been talking quite a bit. I think I've talked to him more than I've talked to any of my other guests previously to a show. Um, but anyways, he's a grassroots racer from Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, I discovered, once again, from the We Love Racing Facebook group, um, just scrolling through, and I saw a picture of his race car, and I just decided to reach out and see what what we can get cooking, and he said, yeah, let's do it. So I'm super pumped. His name is Ed LeBlanc. I think I said that right. Um, We were just talking about that, too. But uh, anyways, I'm going to turn it over to him and let him talk, and we can get this thing going. So, hey, Ed, dude, what's going on? Oh,
1: just chilling, waiting to to get this podcast going i'm i'm new to this so i'm not really quite sure what's gonna happen but we're gonna do our best and hey the listeners something to, to do
0: yeah you know that's um i've said multiple different times where i've talked to multiple different drivers and you know i think it's cool that as myself as a driver <clears throat> sorry i'm not on the level like you are or anybody else but to give a driver's insight from like you what you experience in the car, um you know maybe different setups that you run at different tracks, and you can describe what they are or like just how a race car feels like when you're driving it, opposed to just watching it go around the track. You know, like it's it was way different for me, and I'm only driving these little four bangers where I'm nothing into a late model like you, so. I guess, you know, you're talking to me about how it drives like a dump truck. Describe a little bit, you know, like what, in your opinion, a late model drives like.
1: Well, to be honest, when you're when you're getting ready to go into the corners and you try to power on the brakes, these things are just got standard brakes. There's no power brakes to them at all. Like, they run, we still run, I run four wheel just on mine. And when you go to stop, you let your foot on the pedal and it still doesn't seem like it's going to stop. And I've talked to a bunch, of the, a bunch of the veterans, and they're like, well, you're just going to have to get used to it. That's how they drive. They're not an easy car to drive. Because when I first started, I first started with a four-cylinder Cavalier, and yeah. this was a big jump up, you know. So I'm having a blast with it, though.
0: Um. So now is that based off of, like, your traditional, how everybody says stock car, so you know, like you're saying, it's just regular brakes, so it's nothing... You know, no no fancy get up. So is that like what a late model is based off of? It's just kind of you know, your regular everyday car almost? Nah.
1: Like I said, I'm I'm still new to this, I'm learning a lot, but they're just standard GM brakes on it on mine. I mean I some of the other boys might run, <laughs> you know, like uh, Woolwood Master Cylinders and stuff like that. But I'm just, you know, I'm pretty uh pretty low budget. Family-oriented team and just trying to have some fun, and you know whether I'm up front with the boys and next you know what I'm out back, I'm still having just as much fun. Not being just just a Russian and, and you know feeling accepted into the into the sport, into our into our class. I mean, like I said, running four cylinders and then jumping i all the way up towards That was a that was a big commitment, and some days I'm like why, why did I do it, you know, yeah. I question myself, then you jump in the car and you fire it up and those thoughts all go out the window, you
0: know, yeah.
1: that V8 power compared to those little four bangers.
0: So now, like you were just discussing and you, we've talked about multiple times previous to coming on the show, um, you started out, uh, I think you said three years ago or something, so what made you want to get into racing and start doing it regularly?
1: Well, I was watching it down at our, which is Lead at Motor Speedway in Yarmouth County, in in Yarmouth, And And uh, I watched for like six, seven years. I went with my wife and I said, I'm tired of watching. Yeah. Yeah. About time I'm like, one of these days, Dad's going to race. And she you know, if you want to do it, then let's do it. So I ended up buying Stalker, which you know wasn't the greatest. put a few hours into it you know put a bunch of whacking new parts on it and i ran my first race <laughs> which wasn't the greatest i started off my first race nervous as i don't know even even know how to explain shaking whatever yeah because uh, mm-hmm. i had plenty but being on the track by yourself is nothing compared to being out with, you know, like 15, 20 other cars, which you know. Yeah. And uh, dropping a green flag, I went to shift into third gear. We're coming off of turn four, went to shift into third gear, and there was no third gear. There was no second gear. There was no first. The only gear I had left was reverse. So my first race, I ended up watching from the
0: pits That's, for the whole weekend. <laughs> that stinks. Yeah, it
1: was
0: uh, pretty much a bump. It's funny, you're talking about your first race and how you kind of like, what you were experiencing and feeling. Uh, The first time I ever did, it was kind of a similar story where I've gone, like, the events I run is called crash And they have multiple different events. They have an enduro race, a flagpole race, uh, a boat and trailer race, um, you know, a demolition derby. We just did a hoods up, or flaps up, it's called, where you, well, I didn't get to participate since I wrecked my car, but. I, you put the hood up and the trunk up and then you race, you know, however many laps it is and you got to navigate because we do it. They're doing it. They did it after the boat and trailer race. So there's boats, trailers, all sorts of garbage on the track. And you got to try to make it, you know, 10, 12 laps, whatever it is with your hood up and your trunk up. So you can't look in front and you can't look behind you. All you got to do is just kind of guess. Um, but anyways, um, so it started out like, you know, like you, I was wa watch- me and my wife gone to a few of them. We watched them, and I was like, one of these days, I'm going to do this. And she was kind of like, you know, haha, that's funny. Because I used to say stuff like that all the time, and I never acted upon it. You know, I never just took initiative. And I was like, no, that's- I'm really going to do this. And so one of my friends gave me a minivan, actually, because you can run minivans too. And so I was super pumped. I stripped the whole thing out. I had no idea what I was doing. And come <laughs> to find out that I had. I literally just had the beginning, like I didn't have the door bars in, I didn't have a window net, I didn't have a roof set, I didn't have nothing. So long story short, they hooked me up, they get me, and they actually got me a car, they ended up get me a Mazda 6, I believe it was. Um So I get to the track, and you know, I'm walking around, the like, up through the pits and looking out of the track, I didn't go on to the track, and they were kind of giving me some pointers, and, you know, and. I wasn't that nervous right away. I was kind of like a little sketched out. Because I'm like. You know this is something I've never done. It's going to be a little crazy. And once I got strapped into the car. I still wasn't that bad. And I started right on the front row. It was you know. One two three. I was number six. So I started right on the front row. Right underneath the flag, flag man. And I was like. This is going to be crazy. And as soon as he dropped it. My foot just hit the gas. And that was it. I forgot I even had a brake pedal. So every lap. I went higher and higher, and eventually I smacked the wall, and the first red flag they threw, they cut, they kicked me out of the race because I had a flat tire, and we're not allowed to, <clears throat> not allowed to race on our rims. Um, so that's how my first race went, yeah. is I smacked the wall. <laughs> but that's part of racing. That's how you learn. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> so what do when you... When I first started... Go ahead
1: when I first started, the guy that owned the track at the time had said, you know, don't expect to be Superman. He goes, you probably won't win this year. So each week I kept on doing better and better. And I mean, we ran, we ran two heats, two four cylinder heats, which would be, the first heat would be like the bottom 10 in points. And the second he would be like the top 10 in points. So the faster guys and the slower guys, of course. So I was with the slower guys. And after a while, I started catching on. So about mid-season, I got my first win. Track owner came over. He goes, "Wow!" he goes, congrats. He goes, you did good and you're doing good. He said, don't expect to keep it up. Well, I kept kept on winning. I won five in my first, in my rookie year. And then I got moved up to 10th in points, so I started racing with the big boys. Yeah. And i like, well, starting on the front with the with the faster guys. I mean, I say big boys, but they're still only Cavaliers and, and uh, Sunfires. And uh, I was really nervous starting on the front with them. So they dropped the green flag, and I never saw them for the whole race. I re- led all 15 laps, went out for the second heat with them, started on the front again. Let all 15 laps again, mind you. Then when we start the feature, we're all bunched together. Both heats are are in one feature. 30 laps. I didn't do so well there because when you when you win your heats, you gotta start in the back. So all of the bigger, faster guys were ahead of me, and I had a harder time catching them. But as I said, it's still a blast. And I mean, one one win there. It just got away from me. I think there was three laps to go. I had like a 10 car lead. And uh, we ran. I they ran Volkswagen wheels on the outside. I still had the Chevy rim. And I, going into turn one, I felt the felt the, the steering wheel shaking. And I said, No, this isn't happening. Next thing you know, it I'm watching my rim and tire taken off. <laughs> and I watched a guy in second place pass me. I broke the center of the rim right out, and it was still bolted to the car.
0: That's crazy. So,
1: that was quite.
0: Yeah, I uh I don't know if I've ever experienced anything like that. I think the hardest thing or the most challenging thing aside from just making it through the race, like I have yet to finish an enduro. I'm determined to finish one. I've I've gotten either wrecked or, you know, caught up in a wreck or I, I blew a tire or the car overheats. Something always happens and I've yet to finish one. So I'm determined, but the one thing that's always getting me is, like I said, flat tires, and at first, I didn't really kind of know how to, like, detect it was flat. It's, it's really odd, like, you would think you'd know right away, like, if your tire's flat, but it's, sometimes the car still drives somewhat okay. Like, my last, not the last race I just crashed, the one before that, I uh, I blew a, a, right, or, yeah, a right rear but it wasn't like completely flat. So I was still racing, but it was sliding all over the place. And I'm like, something's got to be wrong. So I, we we hit a red flag and I asked the dude next to me. I was like, hey, man, is my tire flat? And he goes, yeah. So I had to pull off. But I uh I can relate to an extent to what, you know, you mean by that. And it's that's another thing is that I never, you know, you're driving your car every day on the road. You might feel a bump here and there or whatever. But when when you're driving and you're racing and you're so focused on what you're doing, but as soon as that car doesn't feel, even if it's a little four-banger, as soon as that car feels a little off to you, it's like you can pick up on it right away. And I think that's kind of cool because, I I don't know, I guess I never would have anticipated that, but it's just another part of racing that I think people don't fully grasp when you're not in the car, um, which not everybody can be, but if you have that opportunity, it's a cool thing to relate to another person and they can be like, yeah, and then you can also notice this or, you know, there's something when you're on the track you notice. And it's really cool. And like I said, uh, it's just a blast. Like, I agree with you when you were talking about how much fun it was when you're out there, you know, your first, second time where you were nervous. But as soon as you fired up the car, all that stuff went out the window and you're like, let's just, you know, let's get it going. So I, you know, I agree with you. I think it's it gets addicting. I don't know about for you, but it gets addicting to me.
1: <laughs> well, I got rid of the four-cylinder. Well, I didn't get rid of it. I still have it. I had three of them. I sold two. I still got the one that I raced. And, I mean, here the money pit's right next to me here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a brand-new late model, but it gets the job done. And it was a competitive car back in the day, and I'm sure once I get the hang of it, she'll be competitive again.
0: So you're still—how many races have you run in your late model now? compared to your four-sona racing?
1: Well, I ran two complete years, which is well, our first year we ran eight races and then last year due to COVID, we only ran four four race weekends. So, which consists of like two heats and a feature. So, I probably ran oh, I don't know. Well, like I said, Two, uh, two, two years with the four-cylinder, and then last year I bought the late model with two race weekends to go. So I tried it out last year still with the old paint scheme that was on it and the, the old owner's numbers because I didn't want to, you know, really spend much money to throw numbers on it and then take them all off and paint it. Yeah. And I didn't do that back last year, you know, compared to running. Well, I'm running with veterans that are like have, like, 20 years experience or yeah. more. And they were, they they said, one of them said that he was, you know, surprised because they didn't lap me in the feature, which is a 30-lap feature. He goes, I usually lap rookies in like 10 laps. So, you know, that was a, that was pretty cool to hear. It's it's, it's a pretty good boost of confidence.
0: Yeah, you know, that's, touching on that subject, that's one of the coolest things I think that I've experienced is, you know, like I described my first race where it was just, really bad you know i didn't know what i was doing going into the corners way too hot hit the wall blah 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 second race started getting a little bit better and i wasn't going as fast i was kind of i don't want to say scared but i was trying to be like cautious but want to go fast but i was just kind of like i wasn't at that point yet where i'm like i'm just gonna let it go and see what happens because i was almost like well i don't want to wreck the car either because i want to do the rest of the events. and then exactly and uh Then I started getting more and more experience, and now it's like, like before, like if, when I first started racing, I would see a hole open up, but I wouldn't even try to take it. I'm just like, you know what, there's like five cars right there, what if I go in there and one of them wipes out, or what if I wipe one of them out, so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stay where I'm at. Now I see a hole, and I'm like, I'm diving into it, and you know, I'm riding right on people's bumpers, and I'll even push them a little bit, like, I noticed that if you, if you especially in my racing, i mean it might be similar to like a a feature race you know like if people are coming up to you and bumping you a little bit and and you give like if you if they come up and yeah. they tap your bumper and you move out of the way and they pass you people are going to do that to you all day long but i notice like like if you somebody comes up they tap your you know your right side left side the, the bumper or whatever and you hold your ground it's like okay, now it's game on. So is is that kind of similar to like I said? I've never raced in four cylinder heats, um, but is it kind of like the same thing almost? Nah, yeah, pretty
1: much. Yeah, it's just our track is completely different than any other track that I've ever seen. Like it's the only track that I've ever raced at. Our nearest track is is uh, three and a half hour, uh, three and a half hours away from me. Ours is the front stretch is uphill, then it goes into turn one, which is banked. Then it stays banked, going uphill, and then it comes out of turn two, which comes down to a back stretch. It goes downhill, and then back, in, and then into turn three, which is banked. It goes kind of into uphill, and then you come out of four, and it's still banked. And then you go back up the front stretch. Uphill, it's it's weird,
0: man. That that's interesting. I've never heard that. So you're kind of like, go, you know, going up, hanging it, coming back down, going back. It's like, it's almost like you're going. I mean, obviously, it's probably not that drastic, but that's interesting. I never, I never would have. What? How? So how did you navigate that the first time you went out there? Like,
1: <laughs> very hard. I thought, you know. Like every other racer that starts, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, you know? Nothing to it. I can drive a car. I know how to drive fast, you know, whatever. Yeah. That all goes out the window.
0: Oh, yeah. Time. yeah.
1: When you get going into those corners for the first time and you don't got enough brake, it's kind of like, you know, you're up high. You're almost in the wall, whatever. So you, you just got to take it slow. I learned it. A lot of people told me, don't try and go out there and be a superstar, you know? Take your time. There's no need to wreck your gear. There's no need to wreck everybody else. We're all just there for fun. I mean there's no big prize money. It's basically just there to put on a show for the fans.
0: I think that's you know, I've mentioned before on my podcast quite a few times. I I'm still a fan of NASCAR, you know, all the bigger the bigger series racing, you know, it's I'm still a fan of it, but at the same time I'm I don't know, there's something about grassroots racing that just Maybe it's because that's how I'm starting out and, you know, I'm I'm doing the same thing as how, you know, you were racing four cylinders. And a lot of the guys that I've talked to that have made it to NASCAR started out just so they don't like what we're doing. And So I don't know. It holds a special place in my heart. But just I think the most important thing that you said is just go out there and having fun because once you and obviously you're going to get competitive. Trust me, I go out, I get to the track. I'm really relaxed. I'm not like uptight like I need to win. I need to win. I'm really just chill. I get in the car. Same thing. Yeah, I want to get up there. I want to do good. I want to approach myself, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where like I watch a lot of these guys. The first we usually <clears throat> run anywhere like last time we did 75 laps, but sometimes it's a hundred laps or an hour. So you got a hundred laps to go and there's guys that are coming outside of me that are going 105. Well, you know, not a hundred miles an hour, but they're trying to go as fast as they can go. And next thing you know, in three laps, I see him on the infield, or I see him up against the wall because they wrecked their car. And it's like, that takes the fun out of it. Because now you got to fix your car, or you got to scrap it and get a new one. Um, so what you said, I think is important by saying, just have fun with it, where, yeah, you want to be competitive, you want to do well, you want to push yourself, but if you lose the fun aspect, then it's almost like, I don't want to say work, because... I, don't, I mean, racing is a lot of work, but it's not you're not enjoying it as much. Now you're like, oh, great. Now I gotta go out there and I have to do well because I'm I'm improving and I'm getting more and more experience. Whereas if you're just learning and you're just winging it, I think that's, you know. I think key almost in a way of like still enjoying it and where you're having fun and not like. Great. Now I have to go racing this weekend. Well, how am I going to do? You know what I mean? Just to have that mindset where it's like, yeah, maybe I want to go. To the next level, or maybe I want to stay in late models for another two or three years. You know, just have fun with it and experience. You know, like you said, it's family oriented, so you're experiencing all that with your family, creating new memories, and you know, things that you guys can look back on years from now and be like, "Hey, remember when when this happened, or you remember when that happened?" And then sit down and have a laugh instead of being like, "Yeah, but then we lost, and then everybody getting mad and pissed off." Like that's not any fun, you know. So, I mean, like, like
1: I guess, like I tell people, like, I I got into a few accidents with my four cylinder, you know, I showed you a picture, they heard me on the roof of the car, I was parked on another car. Yeah. You know, and, uh, sure, beat up the car, whatever, and I come into the pits and everybody's like, well, ain't you pissed off? I'm like, kind of, but what is it going to do? <laughs> you know, the moment's over, it isn't going to bring anything back, you know? It is what it is. Racing, they're going to be bumping. Sometimes it's intentional. 90% of the time or more, it's not intentional. Like, it's just a bump and whoops, sorry, you know, nowhere to go. And I ended up getting caught into a few of those and, you know, still jump back in the car and put your foot to the floor and keep going, you know, and don't give up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, I've talked to well, if some people have asked me questions about about racing and stuff. You know, like do you win this, that, and the other thing? It's like I haven't, I haven't even finished a race. I ha- and I've been racing, I don't know, it's like two or three years now, and I have yet to finish an enduro. And then they kind of look at me like, so why do you keep doing it? And it's like, I don't know. It's just first off, it's like me personally, I feel like I need to do it or I want to do it. And then second, it's like it's fun. You know, it's not. Like yeah, it does get kind of stressful. It does get expensive, but honestly, it's when I'm racing, when I'm on the racetrack, and I'm in the car. It's almost like everything around me is—it's all crazy and everything's you know chaotic. But it's all, like my head's almost makes like I'm almost making sense of things. Like I almost kind of feel at peace almost, which sounds weird because you know there's wrecks happening all over the place. You can get caught in wreck any second, but at the same time it's almost like calming and relaxing to me and you know and like you said you wreck the car yeah that sucks you might have to fix it or you have to, might have to get a new one but you put your you know you tie your bootstraps back on and you keep going that's you know i think that's what drives every race car driver is the fact that it's like you know what i want to finish the race or i want to win a race and i'm going to do whatever it's going to take from this point till i get to that point and then the next once we get there then we'll then we'll start that chapter on whatever the next step is you know so
1: yeah. and i mean um I'm, I'm still learning like i don't know much about setups i'm learning on a friend of mine down here which uh he's uh one of our veteran sportsmen late model uh, drivers down here and he's been helping me out quite a bit and people are like well why are you helping? He goes, Well, I want everybody to be competitive. The more competitive we can all be, the better of a show we're going to put on. And plus, we don't need cars, you know, with crappy setups on them and spinning out everywhere and not making an enjoyable race. And he goes, Plus, you know, I don't want him wrecking my car. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it having people like that helping you out, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's why we call it the sportsman class. I mean, there's a lot of sportsmanship. I mean, I just crashed this my second race of the year. Uh, I was I started second, and I was doing decent. And then I get, I don't know, yeah, I'd say the word's intimidated. You look in the back, and, and you're going to the corners, and here they come. And uh, so I go a little high, and I let them go by. Well, that day, I guess I shouldn't have went high, because I ended up getting behind a guy, and it wasn't his fault. He blew a red hose going into turn one. I went to turn and put the brakes on, and I got into his water and I slammed into him. I don't know 40, 50 miles an hour. We almost pretty much almost hit head on. He was up against the wall, destroyed the front end of my car, like smashed the red, bent the frame. It hit hard enough it bent my uh, my shaft and my water pump and
0: and a few things.
1: But luckily I work in a body shop. <laughs> it sat on the frame rack for six hours. We got her straight. Some of the drivers, one of the drivers, him and his dad, Jason and Paul Morris, uh, brought me a bunch of tubing to make my front end again. Uh, my in-laws bought me a ride, and I had another bumper around kicking around. So basically, I mean, everybody came together and gave me a hand, like not not just physically, but just to to give stuff out. And then one of my uh, sponsors is a welder, so he did all my welding for free. So, I mean, it it's just stuff like that that keeps you into racing. It's it's not just the racing itself. It's like, it's the racing family. It's the friendships you make. You know, you can just sit there. Like if you meet someone on the road in town and, and you stop at, at a mall or something, you sit there and talk to the, these people that you race with. And it's just this this connection that you get, you know, you can talk about stuff. That's That's what drives me to race, you know, just the friendships.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, That's one of the coolest things that I got to experience when I started. Uh, I was racing a 2001 Dodge Neon, and uh, I ended up blowing a tire out, of course. And I didn't bring a spare with me. Well, there was a miscommunication between me and another guy, because he's like, yeah, I got a couple spares. I'll throw them in the truck. And he asked me if I could throw them in the truck. But anyways, I forgot to bring a spare. And... So, I'm walking the pits because I was still entered in two other events, I think. So, I wanted to get my car back running. I was like, you know, my car's still good. You know, nothing's overheating. The car's not even damaged. Um, It's still, let's let's go racing. And so, I walked up and down the pits and I was like, hey, do you you guys have a tire for a 2001 Dodge Neon? They're like, no, you know, check this guy or check that guy. And I found a dude and he's like, here, you can use it. You know, just let it, give it back to me at the end of the night if it's not flat or anything. and then, like, there was that instance, and then there was different instances where I just see people in the pits, you know, like, people I've never met asking me if I need help, or, like, I walked up to a guy I've never seen before, his car wasn't starting, I was like, hey, man, do you need a jump box? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, I'll go get one, I'll come right back. And so I understand what you mean, because, and especially it's, it's even more special, like, it's still cool when you meet one guy, so, like, if I, I've raced at three different tracks. So I can meet one guy at one track and not see him at the other ones, but still have a cool connection. And then most of the guys I race with, we all run on the same track. So I'll see him at Collin Speedway or Freedom Motorsports Park or Lake Erie Speedway. And, you know, like you said, you just sit down, you talk about previous races or what you're going to do that night. Or, you know, or you just sit down and just shoot the breeze because you're at the racetrack. You got a bunch of race cars around all these, you know, all your buddies are there. And it's just it's just a fun time. So. That's also part of it too. I I agree 100% where it's the the friendships and relationships that you can form with people that you may never have even thought about interacting with before. Not like out of not on purpose, just you know, you you might see them before and be like, we don't, you know, I have nothing to talk about, but now you're saying you run into them at the mall and you're like, "Hey dude, remember last weekend when we were tearing up the track and then you guys can sit down, have a laugh and go about your day, you know?" So like I I agree. That's a big part of it. For me, some other guys, I noticed there are some clicks where uh, if you're not part of their group and you try to like, even if you're just trying to help, it's really awkward. Like I was trying to help a guy push his car with him and all his friends because they were having a really hard time. So I was like, you guys need some help. And or like, they would talk to everybody but me. And I'm like, this is weird. But, you know, we're all here to help each other. So I agree 100%. I think that's a lot of what drives racing. And another thing, that's another cool thing, you know, talking to other drivers that maybe people in the stands don't even realize happens, you know, they see if they're sitting in the in the grandstands and can see the pit area, they might just thinking that you're working just on your car or the guy next to you is working just on his car. But you guys might be swapping tools or, you know, parts or whatever, trying to get your cars running. And then you guys go out there, either tear it up or go out there and have a great race and then go back in the pits and be like, hey, man, wasn't that fun? So, you know, I agree with you. It's that's a pretty big part of racing in my, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty pumped for, for this Sunday. We're, we're running a, a memorial for a, uh, for a guy that used to race with the track. Our track used to be a dirt track. And And he used to be the dirt track champion. And uh, we're running a 50 lap late model race in memory of him this weekend. So, oh, uh, I'm having a hard enough time running the 30-lapers. I mean, we run, it's a half-mile track. We run on It's biggest the and the We had a one-third. It's like, you know, it's pretty good. And then the heat, I think we can, it must have been up 20 days. Before, you know? Yeah. It's. It's exhausting. I I almost wanted to give up, like come like, 20 laps into the feature, and then I'm like, no, nope, I can't. Feet were on fire. I have to put some kind of wrap on my head or something. Like, it. they felt like they were in the oven, but I said, nope, I'm not giving up. I ended up getting laps, But hey, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I'm learning more and more. Drivers are telling me to. I'm getting faster. So, you know? Just not faster get left (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it's always you know i've it with many different things seat time is is very valuable and very important to i mean even veteran guys you still need seat time but even rookie guys where this might be their third or fourth race but if they can get in the car as much as they can whether they're practicing or you know actually racing you learn something new every single time like you were just talking about how hot your feet were now you can learn from that and be like how can i protect my feet or how can i you know stay cooler in a race as opposed to where you're like i'm just going to tough it out and you know that could even affect your performance but uh i can't i remember when you were saying that to me the other day how hot it was in your car my last race it was really hot outside and i mean we have no windows or anything like that or cooling systems and, uh, and we have to wear, like, I had to wear a hoodie. I don't think I had to, but I mean, everybody else was doing it. I'm like, maybe it's a fire thing. I don't know. But, uh, I threw a hoodie on and man, I was like, I don't know. I didn't make it very many laps in that race because I ended up crashing. But, uh, before I wrecked, I was like, we had a couple red flags and I was sweating like a pig, man. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, and then you told me how hot your car was. I was like, whew, I don't even, you, what you, was it like 120 you said? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't imagine running a car that hot for. I don't know, even fifteen laps. I raced uh, that Dodge Neon I was talking about had a bad, had no power steering in it whatsoever. Uh, I think the rack and pinion was bad or something. And you know, I knew what I was going to do with the car, so I wasn't going to go out and spend one hundred fifty dollars on a part for a car that might get wrecked in two laps. Uh, so I just I just ended up racing it with no with no power steering in. That race I went eighty six laps before I ended up getting a flat and uh eighty six laps without power steering. It feels like you've been in the gym for like six hours straight with no brakes and For sure. There we had a couple red flags and just I mean, it, you get kind of tired in general, even if you have power steering. But with no power steering, you're fighting that car even harder. You literally have to throw it into the corner. And uh, we had a couple red flags, and I let my arms just sit. And I'm sitting, like, I could feel them, like, throbbing and swollen. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can go a full 100 laps. And But I was still determined. Like, you know, you said you can't give up. If you give up on that, then you're going to start slacking on, you know, other different things that could affect the performance of the car, or even yourself, and then next thing you know, you're starting at square one again, like learning everything brand new because you did everything the easy way the first time. Being like, well, I'm going to try it this way now, and uh, so you know, it's it's always a learning curve every time you get in the car. I don't I don't care what kind of class you're in. I, in my opinion, and I've heard that from many different drivers where they go to they go to one track and they run really really good. And they might even win. They go to another track the next weekend, and they either wreck out or blow a motor or something happens. Um, you know, it's always a learning curve. But uh, So now when you were first talking to me, um, when we first started the episode, it's you said your, your team or your race group is family-oriented. So who's all involved in getting the car ready and keeping it going and to and from the track and all sorts of things like that? Me,
1: a and my dad. Six years old. He just started racing. This will get year. He's ra- he's racing a, a four cylinder Cavalier. So basically, I more than, uh, than he helps me really, because he's learning. You know, used to be mechanic back in the back in the '70s and the '80s, and all this new technology is kind of different for him. So I'll I'll help him a lot. You know, I showed you we swap motors there a couple weeks ago and stuff like that. When it comes to working on this, I mean it's mostly come me, you know, we had the body all off this winter and come up with the body on, but it's it's mostly me and my oldest son. He yeah, uh, he tries to help, you know. And then I got one of my young kids, he had to put the put my new tires on and stuff like that. They're they're kinda getting into it and my uh, my eleven year old, he's not too much in the cars, but I'm um, they're gonna help me out this weekend and load the car and unload the trailer and stuff like that, you know. So just trying to get them into it. And I mean my biggest help it maybe not on the car, but biggest support is my wife, of course. Yeah. You know, she she keeps me going, you know, if I have a bad day, she's like, Well don't give up, you know, you'll do better next time. I'm like, Yeah, I know. You know, it's just it just you want it as a racer. You just you want to be the best that you can and be, I I know that I'm going against veterans, and but I want to I wanna be up there with them. And they're like, well, just give it time. Like, we didn't start off front either, you know. It'll take time, and we'll get going. But it's uh, the name of our, our race team is LeBlanc Family Racing. So it's just the whole team. Even, even at my like 80, how old is she now? I think she's 87-year-old grandmother. She came to the races there a few times there. Yeah, you know, so it's, that's it's awesome. that's pretty cool to look up in stands, you know, and, and see your family, your grandmother and your kids all, you know, up there rooting for you.
0: Yeah, no, that's a cool experience, you know. My wife wasn't super thrilled when I first decided I wanted to try it, you know. And I made the mistake of taking her to, well, I didn't make a mistake. We went to a couple crash-ramas where, unfortunately, some pretty bad wrecks happened. This was before I started racing. Like, one guy was unconscious, like, he went up. I can't remember if he hit the wall or if he came down and got hit, but he was rolling down the track, this kind of banked where I race. Well, where I'm going to be racing next, this kind of banked, So he was coming down and you could see him just slumped over in the car. And my wife was like, is he knocked out? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And she's like, Nope, you're not doing this. Um, but eventually, you know, I, I made the decision. Obviously I talked to her about it first. I didn't just say I'm doing it, whether you like it or not. Um, so she got oh, on yeah. board and then uh, she still wasn't like super thrilled about it because she's not really that into racing. She wasn't at least. And uh, like the last couple of years, she's like really been, you know, like I was talking to you about a huge help. She paints most of my cars. Uh, she does a lot of work for me on the podcast, my, my racing Facebook group page. Um, she's had decals made for me, T-shirts, all sorts of stuff. And you know, without her, I probably would have given up a long time ago, because there was a few times where I had some issues with one of my cars, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I'm done, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna scrap the car, I'm gonna get rid of all my stuff, and I'm just, I'll, I'll be content watching, and she's like, she's like, you're gonna regret it, and you know, and then just keeps pushing me, and you know, just encouraging me, and you know, without her, like I said, I probably would have been just out of frustration, not that I don't love the sport, but just out of frustration, I probably would have been done racing a long time ago. Um, but I also have, you know, my my son gets involved in it. He likes to help work on the cars. Uh, my parents come out to the races, my in-laws, uh, my brother. I just, like I mentioned to you, I raced with my brother last uh, last weekend, the weekend before. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. And it's that's another thing I enjoy about it is... Like yeah, when race day comes, it's a little crazy and I don't get to spend a ton of time with my wife because I'm either in tech or I have to run around doing stuff. But when we are hanging out and, you know, it's still enjoyable that you're there with your wife or your brother or somebody that you're close with and being and being able to experience it and then once you get out to the racetrack, you know, just like yeah, you're not hanging out with them, but it's still almost like they're there because you know they're out there, so it's like a comfort almost, like knowing that somebody's there to either support you or unfortunately if you wreck bad enough to be there to take care of you um but uh yeah yeah, no it's it's awesome i think it's pretty cool that you have it family oriented you know i've talked to quite a few guys where they their their family's a big part of it and i think it's the coolest thing where it's not just me myself and i you know it's i couldn't get this car running without my wife or i couldn't get this car done without my brother or my son you know it's just i think it's a really cool experience
1: for sure, definitely, and I mean, uh, Jeez, what was I gonna say?
0: <laughs> that happens to me all the time.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we got that that big race coming up on the weekend, so you know I'm gonna try and get up and practice a little bit more. It's just that this is my first rear-wheel drive that I've ever owned, pretty much with this much power. I mean, going from a Four-wheel drive to a rear-wheel drive. I mean, 140 horsepower. Well, maybe the Cavalier might have had that. It had a lot of mileage on it, and then jumping up to you know these things that are three to 350 horsepower. I mean, it's still not you know it's not NASCAR league or nothing, but I mean they they still move. We get up to speeds around. They were saying about a hundred uh, to 115, 120 down the back stretch miles yeah, an hour that's pretty quick you know, that's that's no joke
0: <laughs> yeah, no and I mean dive. i i've I'm only hitting like maybe seventy at some of the tracks I'm at, and just for the little bit for the racing that I do, and like i said i the only thing I have in my car is a seatbelt. um I mean some guys put racing seats in them and they have you know harnesses and everything but I literally just have a seatbelt, so you know, even going seventy-five with a hundred other cars around you, you're like, "This is fast," because when things happen, they happen quick. So I could you know, yeah. one hundred and twenty—that's that's crazy.
1: Yeah, we're mandated mandatory five-point harness, Hans device, all that stuff. I mean, even when I was in four-cylinder, I got into one wreck, and I just had a just had a neck brace on, and I'm like, no. I had a sore neck after. I said, "I'm gonna go out and buy Hans," you know.
0: It wasn't it's
1: not mandatory in our four cylinder class, but in our we run VH stops there also. And we run in our late models. We only got three classes there. And uh I I recommend anybody that races to wear ons. I mean you snap your neck or something and you could either be paralyzed or, or gone for the I mean I know they're expensive, but when it comes to safety, there's there's no price tag on safety. Definitely can't be.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because people have asked me before, you know, like, do you wear a neck brace or do you wear anything like that? And I'm like, no, I just, you know, helmet, jeans, hoodie, whatever. And, uh, after I hit the wall head on, uh, my last race, I'm like, you know, a Hans device or something might be, might be a good investment because I'm still hurting from it. I mean, it's not like bad, but my back still hurts. My neck hurts. And, um but uh yeah after after the whiplash i i received i was like like if you were to say get a hans device and then i experienced that i'm like 100 percent, you know i'm that was crazy i mean i've never experienced anything like that before and uh hopefully i never do again but if i do i maybe i'll have a hans device before then but uh yeah no it's it's no joke like when you were telling me when you hit that guy at 50 miles an hour I was like, does not doesn't sound like it's going that you know, it doesn't sound like you're going that fast, but it's way different. Like, I've seen guys wreck at Crash Ramas before, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that bad, and then I did it and I'm like, It's it's crazy, dude. I don't I can't imagine wrecking at 120 or those guys at NASCAR where they're going 200 I can't I can't fathom that. Have aside from that that wreck you sent me a picture of, have you ever had any pretty bad ones? I mean, hopefully not, but I know racing happens.
1: Uh, coming off the turn two, doing about, I don't know how fast I was doing, maybe
0: 50 miles an hour,
1: uh, back wheel bearing broke on my Cavalier, and wheel and everything took off, and I ended up going into the tires. It wasn't wasn't overly bad, but it was probably a harder hit than that picture that I sent you there where I almost rolled it. That was a that was a sad end to the day, but I hadn't brought any other wheel bearings. So she pretty much just stayed there till the next day we went and put a new wheel bearing on it and that was good to go to the next race.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: the next weekend that is.
0: Yeah, see, you know, it's it's funny to think like I I well me, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get into a mindset almost whereas I'm like I'm racing, I'm like you know, I've avoided multiple wrecks i've i've dodged wrecks i haven't got involved you know i almost slip into a mindset where i'm like nothing's gonna happen i'm gonna finish this race and then next thing you know bam you blow a tire or next thing you know i'm heading towards the wall and i'm like and it happened just like like that and you know i was i had a couple people when i showed them the video um they were like why didn't you just like hit the brakes or why didn't you just go straight because there's at one point it looks like i could go straight But once that front end got squirrely and the rear end was gone, it was hard. I had my hands full. I I don't know if you watched the on car video, but you can see me back and forth. Like it was, it was a challenge, and it's not as easy as people think. Like I used to think that too. Like why didn't you just do this? No, it's not. And like I said, I try to put myself in a in a mindset of a car like you because it's a lot bigger, a lot more power. You're going way faster, so I don't know how you would have navigate a wreck situation in, in a car like that that's uh that's something different that i've never experienced
1: it's it's always easy to, for for the other person to say well what if and and all this stuff it's, it's split second there's no no time really to think you just do the best you can and you know when i hit that guy i was like oh crap what what did i do and i went in the pits i I was able to drive the car into pits i wasn't getting on no tow truck no freaking way <laughs> and i went into the pits and i'm like man i said what did i do that for and they're all like it's not your fault didn't you see the water i'm like no i never saw nothing they said you slid into water there's nothing you could have done so i went over and uh, and talked to buddy he made sure he was okay he was fine he ended up he had parts and it didn't damage his car too too much i mean frame wise was a little bent he put a red in it. Ripped his whole nose off. Like the his fender's hood and everything was ripped off. And he made it out for the next heat, which you know I wasn't so fortunate. But you know you gotta take the ups and downs of racing. Because if you can't take them, then you might as well just stay home. Yeah, it's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, you know, like I said, there's been many times where I wanted to throw the towel in, and like I said, not out of not out of love for the sport. Just it gets frustrating, especially if you already have a car that needs work before you're trying to go racing or. You know, if you if you go through there, like you said, you blew, you blew a wheel bearing, you're not planning on that happening. And it's very easy to get discouraged because you could have been having an amazing race that day. You could have been leading every single lap. Boy, your wheel bearing, there it goes. All that's out the window. And, you know, and you look back and you're like, why? You know, like you said, like when you talk about buying that late model, why did I do that? You know, why am I in this car right now? And then there's just, I don't know, it's, it's a weird... It's hard to describe to people, but there's just like something that's like almost calling you to it where it's like you can't give up. Like if you give up for me, I feel like if I give up, it's going to be like. I'm not really failing anybody, but almost failing myself because it's like I know I can improve and I can get better. But if I give up, I'm never going to know. And, you know, and that's like you said, if you can't take the ups and downs and I'm not spending nearly as much money as probably you are, you know. That, like, that's the one thing I try to keep in mind is, you know, I got these little four bangers that, like, I just wrecked one, I scrapped it, and I got another one, you know, I didn't have to go out and spend, I didn't have to buy a radiator, I didn't have to buy new parts, I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to straighten out the frame, I didn't have to do any of that, um not yet at least, I'm hopefully going to get there at some point, but, uh <laughs> but if you can't, if you just sit there and you look at your car that's a mangled mess, you're going to be like, no, nope, I'm done, and then as soon as you get into that, I think it's going to be a scary road to be on because when you're racing, you're not going to care. When you're, in, when you're interacting with people at the track, you're not going to care. And it's going to be kind of weird, I think. So, no, I agree. If you can't handle it, you might want to just watch it on TV because it can get stressful. And it can get a little depressing from time to time. But the bright side, you know, and the thing that we mentioned before, your friends, your family, all those people that are like, listen, hey, it happened. It's done. Let's focus on getting the car fixed, and we'll move on. And that's even more yes. instead of being like, okay, I wrecked that week. This time I'm going to go out there and I'm going to lead five laps. So I'm going to lead at least one lap. And then if that doesn't happen, but you still finish the race, hey, you got a running car, you're good to go next weekend, you know? So it's, I think it's pretty important.
1: You, you, you've had a good weekend when you can, You, if not even, you don't even have to finish, like, first or second or third i call it a good weekend if you can drive the car on the trailer yeah in one piece yeah you know that's that's the best right there in its own but i mean i've let i haven't let a lap yet you know my my turn will probably come like i said started on the front row second and uh stayed in second for a few laps stayed in third for a few laps and then like i said they, they come off i get intimidated you know and I, I drop back to last you know and it's it's not a big deal. I mean, one of the guys that used to be our announcer, he he messaged me my first race. He said, you know, just be safe out there, drive your own race, and and that's what I'm. That's what I did, you know. Until I can get used to the car, there's no sense in trying to be something that I'm not right now, you know, and yeah. causing a wreck and taking everybody out. Just go out there, run my own race, and and I'll get where I gotta be when the time's right.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. If you go out there and you try to push yourself past what you physically can do you're you know you're gonna go out there and you're gonna tear up your own car and like you said possibly everybody else's car and then then nobody's having fun then you guys all have wrecked cars and what are you gonna do so no it's important to have your own mind like game plan yeah obviously it's gonna adapt per race because every race is different and somebody could pull out in front of you you know whatever but if you just stick to like what you know, and what you're doing, no matter how many people are like, try this or try that or do this differently. I think, you know, you're going to, you're going to always improve because you know what you can do. But if you try to step outside of that, that's when it starts getting a little bit hairy because that's not you. You're not in that moment that right then, you know. Yeah. But I have, I have
1: a lot of guys that, are, you know, they'll, they'll give me advice, you know, try this line to go into this turn and, you know, it, it does help a lot. Then I end up falling back to my four-cylinder lines, which are completely different. But if I can go into those turns like they're telling me to, I pick up like you know half a second for lap. Yeah. But then when you when you're trying to chase these guys down, you're I pretty much say to them overdrive the car, which you know overdriving you're going to be slower.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree because if you're smart about it and if you want the guy next to you that wants to go 10 times faster than you are into the corner, let him go do that. By that time, if you're riding smooth and you're doing what you need to do, him going in there is going to have to make him check up. You might not be going any faster, but you're going to pass him because you're you're just driving. You're not, you're not out driving him. You're not out racing the car. You're just letting it do what it needs to do. And, you know, it's going to help. But, well. We're just about out of time. I had an awesome time talking to you. We've been talking quite a bit on Facebook and, you know, back and forth, and it's been really cool to get to know you through that and then seeing you face-to-face and talking to you. It's It's been a really cool experience, and I'm glad we got to do this.
1: Absolutely. It was my pleasure, man, and uh, hopefully, you know, we might get a chance to do it again.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally open to that. I'm going to take a little bit of a break after this episode, because I just between trying to get the car ready and doing all this other stuff and working and everything else I'm doing, I've, I've been wanting to do more episodes. I just, I just don't have time. So I was, I was super pumped for this one. Cause I'm like, I get to do another podcast episode and then take a break for a little while, you know, regain my bearings and then come back. Um, but yeah, no, we can definitely do another one at some point. Yeah. I mean, you got a race coming up. I got a race coming up. We can do one after that and talk about how those races went, you know, good or bad. Um, Exactly. But so yeah. real quick before we get off, do you have anybody you want to give a shout out? Like your race team, like where can people go find you and support you? Uh well it'd
1: be kinda of hard for anybody that you know. <laughs> but yeah. uh we run a, at uh Lake Delic Motor Speedway, like I said, in uh just out of Yarmouth County, Nova Scotia. Uh just give a shout out to all my LeBlanc racing family. Uh give a shout out to my sponsors: Dustin's Auto Sales, Corning Electric, uh, Jungle Gyms, uh, uh, what are they? Village Propane, uh, Propane Heating and Ventilation. Uh, who else do I got on the card? Uh, Kuda Matata Ice Cream. Uh, my my work: Huber's college Huber's C S N Collision, and you know, like all the guys that have given me a hand, Kyle Hines, Jason Morris, Paul Morris, uh, our track president, JP Arsenault, and, and all our, our, all our committee. I mean, without, without them, uh, racing wouldn't be anything, you know? Yeah. So just, uh, a, a big thank you to everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you, Ed, for coming on. I had a great time talking to you. And like you we too. just, like we discussed, we, <clears throat> gonna do it again but uh, that's it for this one guys and i'll talk to you guys later all right guys that's it for this episode i appreciate your support of my podcast and stay tuned for the next episode to come